0: You know, when I heard this uh, last song being sung, what went through my mind was what my kids and probably some of you, your kids, used to bring to you as one of their projects, as one of, the, one of their activities. Uh, it might be something that they made in a class out of clay. Uh, it may be something they, you know, then maybe somebody went out and put that in a kiln and then they, they painted it up. And, and some of you still have those things at your house Or something they brought you and stuck it up on the refrigerator. Well, here's the deal. When a younger child has an older sibling and they bring something like that to you, the older child can often be really, really critical of what it is that the younger child brought because they recognize it's very, very elementary, it's very crude, and they could do better, right? But here's the thing. As I listen to that song, what we need to realize is often what we bring to God, the very best that we have, may seem to others as something that's crude and simple uh, and may even be ugly to other people. And yet to God, he has the same kind of reaction that we had when our child brought us something that they had colored or something that they had drawn, even though we often had to ask the question, what is it? You know, we didn't, we didn't want to let on, we didn't know, but eventually we, had to, we just had to fess up, well, hey, what is it? And do you, but do you remember when you, when you just gushed over that, which your kid brought to you, or maybe as a child, you remember how your parents responded when you brought something to them and they tacked it up on the refrigerator or they put it up on their dresser, uh, to put change in or whatever it might be. Um, what we bring to God can often seem to others as really simple, maybe crude and, and and maybe not as beautiful as something someone else could bring. And yet, to the heart of God, it is precious. And so don't ever look down on what you have to bring to God. You make, don't compare yourself to others. Don't think, well, my gifts aren't as good. The things that I offer to God aren't as, aren't as wonderful as what other people can do. What you bring to God, let me tell you, God receives it in the same heart that a father or a mother receives that special gift from a child that was made with love and given to them. And so never, never overlook that. I don't know about you, but I had a I had a pretty good childhood, I really did. Uh, some of you can say, "Hey, I, I had a pretty good childhood too." I uh, grew up in a small town, uh, not unlike Greensboro. Um, now, unfortunately, as many small southern towns have, it's completely dried up. Uh, very very few stores open. Uh, there's no activity. Used to be, you know, on Wednesday afternoons and on Saturdays. People would be all up and down the streets. It was just, it was just a completely different world. The, the little town was lively. But that's the town I grew up in, a town that was fairly safe. I could ride my bicycle uh, to school all the way across town for us. Uh, I could walk to school. It was, it was not a big deal. That was, that was just kind of normal life for us. I lived in a home with uh, my mom and my dad, my younger brother and younger sister. Um, my parents were good parents. They weren't perfect, but no parent is perfect. But when I look back on it, I think that they were reasonably happy in their marriage. I wasn't kind of gauging at it at the time, you know, but, but I, you know, they, they seem to be reasonably happy in their marriage, which most of us are deliriously happy only moment by moment by moment, you know, most of, but we'd be happy if we could be reasonably happy in our marriage. That's not bad. He was, uh, he was a police officer. After he got out of the Army, he went in police force, and he became the chief of police in town. So I was kind of like Opie. Yeah, sorry. Um, My mother uh, graduated high school, uh, was a bookkeeper most of her life. So we weren't wealthy by any stretch. Uh, We weren't poor, but we weren't wealthy. We weren't trying to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, That wasn't even on our radar. We had a garden out back to help grow some vegetables, to supplement, so that we didn't have... uh, uh, you know to pay for everything at the grocery store at age 14 my dad picked me up from the town swimming pool and he said son you've got a job and I did for the rest of my time in, in middle school and high school I worked at a little red and white grocery store there in town a job my dad got for me and I you know I think I've told you this before I, I actually know the exact number now My uh, my dad pulled up when I was uh, getting ready to turn 16 with a 1976 Dodge Dart, no air conditioning, AM radio, vinyl seats. Uh, He pulled up in that car and he with a simple question, he said, son, would you like to have this car? Well, I'm no fool. I said, absolutely. I didn't care. Hey, listen, it wasn't a Mustang. It wasn't a Corvette, but it, it was a car. It had four wheels and a motor, which was infinitely better than my bicycle. And so I said, absolutely. He said, well, good. Your payments are 81 75 a month. And I worked at Williams Red and White to pay off that car. Now, we, we had a good life, and, and I had good parents. But I got to tell you, that's not true for everybody here today. Now, it's not saying you didn't have a, a good life growing up. It's not saying that you didn't have loving people in your life growing up. But for some of us, that kind of story is, that's not your story. You can't say, hey, listen, you know, I had parents who were together and and pretty happily married together and stuck together and stuck to each other and stuck to us. You can't say that maybe you even had a dad at home. That may not be your story. Or maybe the dad that you had at home, you wished... He wasn't at home. Maybe it was your mother. Maybe she was mean. Abusive. Verbally, physically. I don't know, but I can promise you this. In this room right here, there are many of you, when Father's Day or Mother's Day rolls around, that you kind of wish they wouldn't. That the memories that you have are just not as pleasant And rosy as you'd like them to be, and so when we look at a passage like we're going to look at this morning in Ephesians chapter six verses one through three, you may not be ready to stand up and shout "Amen" because your story's a little different than mine. And so we need to wrestle with a verse, these verses like this, and say, "Okay, if I didn't have that idyllic childhood, if I didn't grow up in Mayberry, then." How do these verses apply to me? How, how do I understand these? How do I, how do I connect them to my life some way? And we want to begin today. I don't know if we're going to finish today, but we're going to begin today taking a look at that. And Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up there. You can open up your, your, uh, your iPad or your phone or whatever it is that you have. We will put them on the screen. Uh, I think they're also in your handout this morning, so you'd have them there as well. Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 3, and I want you to hear what God says to us, regardless of what our childhood was like, what God says to us this morning. Verse 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In other words if you don't honor your parents they may take you out of here okay that's not what it's saying we've been spending the last few weeks looking at family and what i said at the very beginning is that we want to acknowledge reality and the reality for many is their family life wasn't perfect nor is their family life perfect now so what we're not trying to do is to paint a picture of something and you walk away and you go you know what that sounds all well and good, but that's not the real world. We want this series to be grounded in scripture, but we want the context of it to be the world in which we live, the real world in which we live. And so we want to we approach it that way. Now, the first thing most of us know about family is parents. We have a baby. Case, case in point, right up here on the second row. Yes, you there you are okay the first thing babies know are mama and daddy typically the first words that they say is either dada or mama and it's kind of a competition you want to win you want dada if you're a guy you want dada to be said first or mama if you're a woman this is the context how many now i want to ask you who won um this, this is the context. This is, this is how kids make that first connection. This is how they first understand family is coming to understand who mama is and who dada is. And so we see this is, this is kind of integral. This is actually fit, um, biologically the way God has set things up. This is how it's supposed to happen. doesn't always happen how it's supposed to happen. This is how kids get to know what it is to be part of a family as they come to know their mother and their father and come to understand what that means and the whole context of what it is to be a child. When we look in Scripture, and there's lots of places that we could go for good examples and bad examples of parenting, we look at Scripture, if we go to the Ten Commandments, this is an interesting thing. What you see in the Ten Commandments is that the last five of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with each other. They deal with how we treat other people. The first four commandments, they deal with our relationship with, with God. How that connection is supposed to be. The fifth commandment. Now, I'm going to make an assumption here because I'm going to assume that God's OCD like me. Okay. Ten commandments. Moses came down with two tablets. So how many if your OCD must be on each tablet? five okay so I'm not thinking God's putting four on one and six on the other I'm thinking okay God's got five on each so the fifth commandment on that first tablet according to Jimmy is a little different it is the commandment that says honor your father and your mother now now why is it like that I I think there's actually a reason because in God's economy Mom and dad are kind of the surrogates for God. They're, they're standing in for God. Here's the way God has set things up. Parents are to be the authority over their children as they are themselves under the authority of God. Let me say that again because this, this is God's design. This is God's pattern. Parents are to have the authority over the children as they are under the authority of God themselves. This is a picture of godly parenting. It's parenting as it ought to be. It isn't always that way, but it's parenting the way God set it up to be. We honor our parents and our parents honor God. That's the design. That's the pattern. We live in a fallen world. It doesn't always work out that way, but that is the design. And that's why I believe this fifth commandment is attached over here in this first column with those first five commands because it is connected. The parents stand in for us in that sense with God. And so there's an emphasis really on having this be the fifth commandment. So let's think about this. What if this isn't your situation? What if your parents themselves or your mother, or your father. Well, it's not honorable. How do you approach something like this? Because we've said this is God's design. God's design is the parents are to honor God, and the children are to honor the parents. But what if it's not like that? Is there a line that mom or dad can cross? where a child should not obey them and if so where is that line how do we how do we figure all that out and what about adult children i mean do we age out of this do we get to a point where this idea of obeying and honoring your parents that you know now i'm an adult i don't have to do that i don't have to listen to my parents i don't have to honor my parents i'm I, i they've aged out i've aged out and and that's invalid. It, do, it no longer applies. We, we want to wrestle with these things. So how do we wrestle with them? Well, I think the first thing we need to do anytime we look at a scripture is to seek to understand that scripture the best way we can. And there are two key words that we need to understand because sometimes we look at that and go, whew, that gives me a loophole. This is, like a, this is like the lawyer work. This is where we are looking for that loophole that gives me an out. And so the first word we encounter here is obey. We're told children obey your parents. So we need to understand what's that word. Obey? We know what parents means. What does obey mean? Obey comes from a Greek word which means to stand under or to be under the authority of someone. It's often used as a military term. If any of you served in the military, you know exactly what this is. If you are a private, there are many people in the level above you, okay? And when they give you an order, you snap too. You do what you are told to do. That's just the way it is. And so when it comes to this commandment, children, obey your parents. Children, are you listening? Okay. Children, obey your parents. What do we do with this? Is there an out? Is there some wiggle room here? Well, quite honestly, when we look at this word obey, it simply means children do what your parents say. I'm sorry to tell you that. That's exactly what it means. So when we look at this word obey, it doesn't give us a whole lot of wiggle room as a command. The second word that we encounter is this word honor. And this is important honor your father and mother this is what we are told in the 10 commandments this is what is reiterated here for us by paul honor your father and your mother so what's this word honor mean? to honor someone is to revere them to prize them or to value them that's what it means to to honor It means to give to your mom or your dad the respect that they are due, not because they've earned it, but because of who they are. Does that make sense? Um, We've had a debate over the last few years, and it's a debate I really don't like, and that is the debate over how we are to respond to the man in the Oval Office. So far, we haven't had a woman, but that's coming, but so far how do we relate to these guys up in the Oval Office okay the President of the United States there's some when uh, Barack Obama was President of the United States that didn't feel that he was their President and they didn't have to honor him they didn't have to revere him they didn't have to respect him as President there are others now that Donald Trump is President of the United States who feel the exact same way about him he's not my President I don't have to honor him I don't have to Respect him. And, and you see this played out in a lot of ways. People, whether they're out protesting, not my president, which to be honest, these signs can be printed for whoever's in office because somebody's going to carry them around. Or when you see sports teams go to the White House. I gotta tell you, I have a I have a political opinion, I have a political stance. I'm a member of a party. But quite honestly, I don't care who's sitting in the Oval Office. If I get a phone call that says the president would like to meet with you. I'm actually going to go pull my suit out of the closet. And you know, I don't wear a suit a lot. And I'm going to hop on the plane. And I'm going to go meet with the president of the United States. Why? Not because of what he's done, which I may disagree with, but because of who he is. Now, if. If it were like that lunatic over in North Korea, that might be a different story. I think there is a line. But I think that line's way, way, way over here. And I think far too many people think that line's right here. There is a respect that is due simply because of who a person is. And that's what this particular word is talking about here. There's an honor that is due to our parents simply because they are our parents even if they haven't earned that honor again hang on we're not done i'm not going to stop here i think that's important though for us to understand they are to be revered simply because of their position okay what i'm trying to say is this obeying and honoring parents is your default setting you know what i mean by default setting right uh, if you get a new thermostat at home, it comes with a default setting. It may be 72 degrees. You may like it 68 or you may like it 75. You change it based on that. But the default setting was 72 degrees. So our default setting, what God is telling us here is to honor our parents, to obey our parents. As Timothy Keller has written, and I think this is wise. It's respect for parents that is the basis for every other kind of respect and every other kind of authority. Therefore, it should take something extraordinary for us to get off the default setting. Does that make sense? Okay, the the default is obey and honor parents. It should take something extraordinary, not something ordinary, but something extraordinary for us to move us beyond that setting where we do not obey or where we do not honor our parents. Let me give you an example. And unfortunately, we see this sometimes. We see this, unfortunately, a lot. There are parents who call upon their kids to do things that are either illegal or immoral or both. Now, you may have children that are too young to know any different. And we see this sometimes, don't we? we uh, I think most recently I saw where a woman had taken her small child into a, a couple of stores and had been stealing from the stores matter of fact the video camera that I saw is she actually had her child there and she would when the manager stepped away from the office she slipped into the office to go through stuff in that office you could catch it on the camera while her child was right there okay that's involving that child and that kind of stuff and some of it is obviously far worse we hear the horror stories of parents who sell their kids into uh, prostitution I mean that's just a horrid kind of thing but that's not what most of us endure but some people endure that kind of stuff and so when we, we we come to this we we do recognize that when a child is able to understand right from wrong and they're being called upon by their parent to make that choice either to do something illegal or to do something immoral when that child has that ability that child has a responsibility, If they're able, as best they can understand it, has a responsibility to actually say no. Now you're going to say, well, wait a minute, what about obeying parents? What about honoring father and mother? What's this thing about a child saying no to their parent? Now listen, Michael, I'm not saying when you're asked to take out the trash that your answer should be no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, when you're called upon to do something, and guys, when you get to be teenagers, you've reached a time in your life where you can discern between right and wrong, and I'm not giving you permission to just willy-nilly say no, to willy-nilly rebel. That is not what I'm talking about. Let me give you an example. In Ezekiel chapter 10, the prophet is speaking for God, and the prophet is addressing children who should say no to their parents. Look at this. Ezekiel chapter 10, verses 18 to 19. I said to their children in the wilderness, do not follow the statutes of your parents or keep their laws or defile yourselves with their idols. I'm the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now, again, this isn't throughout scripture okay so we're pulling out one passage but I think it's important that there is a time when parents cross a line legally and or morally where children need to say no that's opposed to what God says now I'm not telling you abuse this privilege I'm not telling you to manipulate this I'm not telling you to be selfish in this what I'm telling you is there comes a point in life where you may have to say no because you're choosing to follow god rather than your parents the same thing happens with government okay we have there comes a point where government crosses a line where we have to say listen i have to obey god rather than men but what i'm telling you is we're not to pay play fast and loose with that line it takes something extraordinary for us not to obey our parents or not to honor our parents God's going to hold the parent accountable. The parent who takes their kid shoplifting, the parent who sells their kid into prostitution, God is holding that parent accountable, both for the offense and unfortunately for the scars and the open wounds that are left on these kids. Some of you actually go into the schools to help. You go in to read. Go in to mentor, go in to encourage. Some of your teachers, you know, administrators, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are a lot of kids who come through the doors, school buildings, elementary school, middle school, high school. A lot of kids that come in through the doors of this church, and we'll come in this week, whose parents are not good parents. who have injured their children in ways that may not show up until they're adults. God's going to hold them accountable. That doesn't mean there's no forgiveness. I'm just saying God holds those parents accountable. We need to understand that. And we need to do the best that we can to come alongside young people and to try to help them see that there is something better. There is a better life. That God has something better in store for them. That this was not God's plan for them. That this is not God's design for family. And that's why I think it's so important what we do here as a church. Even though many of the kids that come in, they've got a, they've got a great family life. They've got loving parents. They've got loving grandparents. They've got siblings that might love them too. We have them that, you know, we've got... But there are kids that come in here who don't have dad at home. And that's why I try to call on men. I don't care how old or young you are. I'm calling on you men. Step into student ministry. Is it scary? Yes. Are you going to hear things that you wish you could unhear? Yes. It's going to happen. But men, these Boys and girls, but boys especially need you. They need to know that men don't have to act like the men I see at home. Now that don't let you women off the hook. That's not to say that all, all the guys are cruddy out there. There's some pretty rough moms out there, too. And so you who serve in our children's ministry, you who serve in our preschool ministry, you who serve in our teens' ministry. What you do and the example that you set is just as important as Guy, the example that guys set. So, so just keep that in mind. The parents are going to be held responsible, but I believe church we're going to be held responsible if we do nothing. That God's looking at this generation of believers to make a difference. Your generation to make a difference. All right, let's let's consider the the question here real quickly what about honoring a parent who is less than honorable what about honoring a parent who has hurt you that may not be a physical hurt it may it may be some emotional things and there are many who who've got that our natural tendency is to to i want to get even or i want to hold on to this anger this resentment against my parent i, I i'd love to seek retribution if it were possible but If not, I'm just going to hold on to this. How does God want us to approach this? And what we need to understand is our approach to a parent who's hurt us should be no different to anyone else who's hurt us in this sense. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we read, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. In other words, Getting revenge, that's not our deal. That's not for us. And loving a parent who's hurt you, I can't imagine how difficult that must be. I hear about it because in 25 years, I've done quite a bit of counseling. I hear about it. I never have personally experienced it. But I can tell you this, I promise you this, Hanging on to the hurt, hanging on to the anger, hanging on to the resentment, it doesn't get you any closer to resolution. And it surely doesn't get you any closer to peace. When we live with those things, when we allow those things to live in us, they become poison in us. We become worse people because of what has been done, what we've done with what's been done. To us, and it takes a supernatural love to overcome that. To be able to forgive an offense that left you incredibly wounded. I'm not saying it's easy, but I would tell you, I think it's necessary. For you to become the person that God wants you to be. We here's what we need to recognize. There's no one ever in the history of humanity who has been offended more than God by us. Jesus tells a a great parable about a man who was forgiven a a sum of money that would be beyond our imagining. Which for some of you would take a good bit of imagining because you can imagine a lot. A sum that would make these lottery winners look like paupers. Jesus tells this story about a guy that's forgiven that. And yet he went out and he found a guy that owed him a few bucks. And he began to choke him. Saying, you better pay me what you owe me. And that parable is there to teach us that forgiven people are forgiving people. People who know and understand how much they have been forgiven. They are the people who can then Forgive. And that doesn't mean you're excusing bad behavior. Not at all. There's a difference between forgiving and trusting. I want you to hear this. You can forgive someone, in other words, you cannot hold that offense against them. You can set them and yourself free, but that does not necessarily mean you trust yourself enough to put you back in that position again forgiveness is given trust once it's lost has to be earned and for some so much trust has been offered lost over the course of time that it can never be earned you if you had an abusive father if you had an abusive mother you may never get to the point where you are just happy-go-lucky, having a great relationship, mom and dad, you may never get there. But that doesn't mean God doesn't expect you to forgive. So you've got to remember there there is a difference in that. I'm going to give you, let me give you this verse because I think it's helpful for us to understand this because we feel like we've got to somehow even the playing field. That's not our responsibility. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 and following. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, Paul writes, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. Our pay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good, as much as it is within your power, as you are empowered by God, forgive and honor your parents, not because they deserve it, but because you're called to do it. Now, there's no way that I could share everything that I want to share with you this morning. So I'm going to put a bookmark here. We're going to pick this back up because some of you are going, okay, I hear what you're saying. I just need to know how to do it. And so the practical application of how to do this, that's going to come not next week because next week we've got Lord's Supper and next week we've got baptism. Next week we're going to celebrate that. But the week following that, we're going to look at the how. How do I do that? Okay? So I'm sorry, you're going to have to live with this for a couple of weeks. But maybe during that couple of weeks, if this has been a struggle for you especially, maybe then you are able to go and say, okay, God, I don't understand how to do this. But over the course of the next two weeks, I want you to pray that you prepare my heart to do this. Now, we're not just going to talk about awful parents. We're going to talk about good parents, too, and how we respond to them. But... I just want us to be prepared when we come back on that, I guess it's the first, last Sunday in June or first Sunday in July, whichever it is. I want us to be prepared to do business with God and to be ready to put some stakes in the ground over that relationship. And so we're gonna, we're gonna leave this here now. But before we go, I wanna tell you about a different kind of father. My dad was a good dad. I love my dad. I miss my dad. He died when Jackie was just a baby. Oftentimes, I wish I had him around just so I could ask him his opinion on something or just so we could talk about the weather or sports. I don't care. I just love to have him around. But he's gone. Some of you out there, men, you've stepped in and Helped to fill that role in my life. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. We need that. But I have another father. Father, I've never seen. He resides in heaven, but he also resides in my heart. I believe he's real. As a matter of fact, I'm staking my eternity on the fact that he's real he sits on heaven's throne and yet from heaven's throne he looked down into my life and he saw a young man who may have been doing the very best he could but was kind of making a mess of it he saw a young man who was stumbling through life and stained with sin and he looked at me and he loved me and he said I'm going to make him mine And so this great loving father, this perfect father in heaven began to work on my heart. He put people in my life who spoke truth, not judgmentally, just truth, just kind of left it out there. He put people in my life who sowed seeds, who watered those seeds, who nourished those seeds. And then, one day when I was alone as a young man, he spoke to me. No, it wasn't an audible voice. I didn't didn't hear that. But it was a whisper that said, Jimmy, it's all true. Remember all the stories you heard in Vacation Bible School? They're true. All the stories you heard in Sunday school? They're true. All those songs that you sang when you were in worship services or youth camp. True. And it was that day that he truly, 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 truly became my father. In his great love for me, he sent his son and died for me and I believed it that day. I trusted it that day, and I put my entire life and my eternity in His hands that day. And He has been my Father since that point. He will be my Father forever. And it's not because I earned it. It's because of the kind of Dad He is. He is loving, and He is gracious, and He is merciful. Now, He's holy, and He's righteous. And he will punish sin, but instead of punishing me for sin, he chose to punish Jesus to take the sin himself and the penalty for the sin himself so that I might be wiped clean. So that I could actually stand in his presence and be accepted so that the gate to his great throne room could be thrown open wide and i could come and just crawl up into his lap and look into his eyes and call him dad some of you know that that's your story too may not be exactly like mine but it's really similar we've got the same dad we're brothers and sisters in christ but some of you sitting here you don't have that same confidence You don't know God as Father because you've never known His Son Jesus as Savior. I want to tell you you can today. There are men and women in this place that would love to talk to you about what it means to have God as a daddy. To know Him, not just in a saving way, but in an intimate and personal way. I'd love to talk with you about that. That's what we're going to be talking about this week to the kids that come. If you need that this morning, I want to invite you to receive it. If you need a church home, a place where you can belong, a place where brothers and sisters will come around you, and you can be part of being part of the family of God, if you believe God's calling you to grace, I want to encourage you to come. Some of you carry some burdens with parents, some things that you're you're going to have a hard time laying down and I just want to let you know it's okay to come and pray about it and to tell God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Simple simple invitation this morning. God's laid something on your heart for you to do, a move that you need to make. Then do it today. We're going to sing a song in just a moment as we do. That's just an opportunity for you to move and respond to the call of God in your life. Let's pray. Lord God, I do thank you for the power of your word. And I pray now that it would influence in a way that my words can't. That you would speak to hearts today, just like you spoke to my heart so many years ago. That you would call people to faith, that you would call people to family. That you would call people to repentance and a new beginning. Lord, whatever it is that you call us to, we want to respond by simply saying yes, 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 Lord. For this is our prayer in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior, the way, the truth, and the life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.